Welcome to the podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and tune in. Make sure to join us each Sunday at 9 on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. in English and 11.45 in Spanish. Also, Celebrate Recovery meets each Monday night at 6.30. Good morning, church family. How are you guys doing today? Good morning. Good morning. Well, I'm Chris, or Christopher, um, and like Pastor Adrian said, I joined our church family this past summer. Actually, this past Friday was my three-month anniversary of being on staff, um, which is pretty exciting. Um, and although I'm still working on names, um, it's been an honor um, getting to serve as the pastor of student ministries and getting to know our students across all our campuses. And I'm thrilled about what God has been, is doing, and will continue to do through the life of our middle and high schoolers. Um, and so I just want to take a quick minute um, to introduce to you my family. So we're going to um, put a picture of them on, on the screen. And they're not here, unfortunately, but they live in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And right now, they're actually getting ready for their worship service this afternoon. And so I'm going to go from left to right so you can get to know my family and me a little bit better. And so on the left side are my parents, Walter and Maritza. Um, They're awesome people. Most people um, in the church call them pastors because they're ordained elders in the church of the Nazarene. But for me, they're papi and mami. And on this upcoming Saturday, actually, they will be celebrating their 10-year anniversary as co-pastors at the Iglesia de Nazareno in Fredericksburg, which is also really exciting. And then right after, right next to them, it's me and a baby. Um, the baby is not mine. Just want to clarify that. Um, but we'll come back to this baby in just a little bit. And then right next to me is my not-so-little sister, Melanie. She's now in eighth grade. And she is probably one of the most loyal, kindest, and dramatic individuals that I know. And then there's Eliseo. He's my brother-in-law. And then right next to him is my older sister, Bertha. And together they do worship in youth, among many other things in the church. And now back to the child that I'm holding. The child I'm holding, his name is Tiago. Um, Tiago, fun fact, in English would be James. And it's ironic that we'll be in the book of James today, but just thought that was neat. But he is the child of my sister and my brother-in-law. He's affectionate. He loves nature. He loves stargazing. He can spend hours outside just staring at the sky. And he turns two this December. Now, I told you that my little sister is dramatic. And if my little sister is dramatic, then my nephew received that in double portions. And most recently, he's developed a deep fascination with trains. And so I have a little train up here. And I was home a couple weeks ago. And his visiting my family, and his parents had just bought him um, a train track set. And this train track set brought a bridge and a tunnel. It was pretty elaborate, really, really fancy um, train. And all the trains have a little magnets or hooks that connect each train car to each other. And so he did not know how to manage the weight of these trains yet. So whenever he would yank a train, they would become disconnected from each other. And so as I was laying on the floor with him playing and watching him try to figure out how to attach these train cars that have been disconnected, I couldn't help to think about a well-known children's story about a little blue engine. And maybe you recall this story called Little Engine That Could. And full recap, if you aren't familiar with this relatively short book, um, this little blue engine has never been over the mountain. And one day... Another train that was moving some toys and the funniest clowns in town over the mountain to the boys and girls on the other side broke down. 
And so these toys and these funny clowns asked this little engine if the little engine could take them over the mountain. And you probably know this famous line from the book which says, I think I can climb up the mountain. I think I can. I think I can. See, eventually my nephew couldn't figure out how to connect these trains. And he got frustrated and he threw them across the room. But the amazing thing is that after he got through that frustration, he walked over to the other side of the room, picked up the trains, and he brought them to me, and he asked for help. And he was in awe of how quickly these two train cars could have been placed back together. Today we'll be turning to the book of James, chapter 1. We'll be in verses 9 um, through verse 16. And I'm going to invite you to stand, if you're able, as we read the word of God and you can follow along on the YouVersion events on your phone, on the screens, or on your physical or digital copy of Scripture. And this is what the Word of God says. It says, believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in the humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, it blossoms, falls, and its beauty is destroyed in the same way the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and are enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters. Let's pray. God, we are grateful for who you are. We are grateful that you are faithful even on the days that we are not. And as we come before you this morning, God, give us fresh vision to see this text, God, to see the ways in which you are trying to move in our lives. Give us ears that can listen to the truth so that we might be transformed to make an impact in the world. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. So for the last three weeks, we've been in the book of James. And as we work our way through chapter one, unpacking the beautiful truth woven into these pages, we'll be spending a couple more weeks in here. Well, a few more, actually. But the first week, Pastor Adrian told us about the author, who is believed to be um, James, the brother of Jesus, and the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He's writing to a people, to Jewish Christians that have been scattered throughout the region. He's writing... Um, to people that are experiencing humble circumstances as described in verse 9. Um, and immediately, James invites the readers and the listeners of this letter to find joy in the midst of the trials and the challenges of life. Pastor Billy reminded us that we should consider it joy when we are in the midst of the challenges because these trials and these tests produce perseverance. And just last week, Pastor Adrian reminded us that when we doubt, we are invited to come and have faith in the one who is faithful, that we are invited to bring our doubts to the foot of the cross. And then that brings us up to these verses, to these eight verses we had before us this morning. So hang with me over the next 15, 20 minutes as we unpack this truth. The first uh, few verses of this um, section takes a quick moment to address Christian status, particularly the status of those who were um, in the original audience of the letter, the poor, the persecuted, the scattered Christians. It's to be assumed that not many of these Christians were considered rich or wealthy by any means in the terms of the empire of Rome. 
And quite frankly, it seems to me that James is echoing the words of Jesus as recorded in Matthew 20, as Jesus shares a parable and concludes it with this phrase, so the last will be first and the first will be last. It comes across as a sense of relief um, for those who are experiencing the hardships of what it means to be a true Christian in the empire of Rome. See, the author of the New Testament understood clearly that the kingdom of God deals away with divisive social statuses, but in the meantime, there is that tension that needs to be held. And James tells the scattered Christians to consider it joy to be in such humble position. And maybe it's because the less one has, the more one has to depend on God. You see, in the first century Rome, the rich were known to be greedy and condescending towards the poor, the people that were not like them. Essentially, James is telling the Christians that are experiencing these humble circumstances to not worry about the things of the rich and their midst. For the things of the world, for the things of greed, will go away. James wants to ensure that his readers know that they must rely on God instead on what they might be able to do for themselves. So this is where James brings us to verse 12, where he says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. We could definitely spend hours unpacking this particular verse, and I promise we won't. Um, but I want us to pay particular attention to the word persevere. Um, from the Greek, we translate it as persevere, but it can also mean um, words like steadfastness or consistency or endurance. Um, Dr. G.L. Bryan, whose expertise is in black church studies, the New Testament, early Christianity, and a lot more, it's quite impressive. Um, she suggests this. She says, James is calling for spiritual discipline that will provide strength support, and a connection to God in the face of various hardships. And that's the crown of life that has been promised to those who persevere under trial. Or here, James is intentionally contrasting an individual that achieves the crown of life to the individual who is double-minded, which we talked about last week. For when we persevere, we develop a Christ-like character as we learn to trust God and be faithful in the midst of the challenges of life. You see, the power of perseverance is found in the posture of our surrendered hearts to the lordship of Jesus Christ. I'm going to say that again. The power of perseverance is found in the posture of our surrendered hearts to the lordship of Christ Jesus. The challenges that we might experience in life, such as the loss of a loved one or systems that intentionally oppress others, financial issues, etc., grant us the opportunity to live lives surrendered to God. Blessed are those who persevere under trial, for they have placed their faith in God. James continues um, sharing, highlighting a specific category, if you will, of trials. He talks about temptation. He says, so he says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life. And then he immediately says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone? But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death. The reality is that the temptation is real, and it provides an avenue for us to participate in sin. 
Temptation can come in many forms in our lives. It comes in attempts to bring pleasure of some kind. And we probably talk about that more in terms of sexual temptation and lust. Temptation can come from wanting to be secure in one's self-ability to do something, and a need to feel safe even if it has a horrible consequence on one's neighbor, or greed. Ultimately, I think temptation is about pride. It's about wanting to have control of our own lives, it's about wanting to sit on the throne of our own life and not allow God to sit on that throne. We are tempted because we want to follow our desires on our own, separate from God. See, James isn't suggesting, and I don't think he wants to suggest, that desire is a bad thing. He qualifies it by calling it evil desire, a desire or a want outside of the will of God in our lives. James wants to give a clear image of what happens when we lean into our temptation or evil desires. He says it gives birth to sin. And then he says sin gives birth to death. Very similar to what Paul tells the Romans in chapter 6. He says, for the wages of sin is death. The reality is where there is sin, there is death. Death in our relationship with God. Death in our relationship with the people around us. Death in our relationship with ourselves. And death in our relationship with all of creation. Where there is sin, there is death. Therefore, temptation brings about the opportunity for death to reign in our lives. But the truth and the beautiful reality is that that doesn't have to be so. Death does not have to reign because of the gift of God through Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's amazing that Paul doesn't stop there, for the wages of sin is death. He continues by saying, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. So how do we achieve this eternal life? Well, it's by the grace of God as we persevere through life and are determined to become more and more and more like Christ. And in order to do that, we have to be surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. When we surrender to Christ, we declare that Christ sits on the throne of our lives and that we do not. That reality is that we cannot overcome temptations on our own. That we need the power of the Holy Spirit to work in us, allowing us and teaching us how to discern between the good desires of our hearts and the evil desires that bring about death. As Christians, we are called to produce life, to be transformed so the world might know that there is a hope, that there is hope, and that hope has a name, even if it doesn't feel like there is hope. But in order for us to live lives that produce hope for other people, we have to persevere in our faith by keeping Christ on the throne of our lives. It's easy to do what I want. And it's easy to do it the way that I want to do it. But the way of Christ has a higher calling on my life and on your life. Where we give ourselves completely away to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That means we take our attitudes and we take our behaviors and we take our words and our beliefs and our actions and our desires and everything we are and everything we want to be, we take those things captive to Christ. The world will paint a pretty picture of sin. And most times it is a pretty picture for it brings pleasure and it brings safety and it brings protection, and it feeds our pride. 
But James warns us, don't be deceived, brothers and sisters. Don't be deceived by your evil desires that lie to you and only want to bring about death and destruction in your own life and the life of those around us. Because the reality of sin is that sin never just affects the person committing the sin. Sin affects us and the people around us. Jesus continues to echo the thoughts of Jesus from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, verses 9 through 13. And Jesus is speaking to his disciples when he says this, and he says, You will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. You will be hated by all nations because of me. And at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. And then Jesus says this. He says, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Verse 14, which isn't on the screens, but verse 14, Jesus says this. And he says, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the world as a testimony to all nations. Jesus instructs us to resist temptation, to resist the things that bring about death in our lives, in our relationship with God, with others, ourselves, and the entirety of creation. James invites us to find our strength in the one who is always faithful and the one whose strength never fails. God, James wants to make it clear to us that the power of perseverance is found in the posture of our surrendered hearts to the lordship of Jesus Christ. When we persevere, we grow in our faith. When we grow in our faith, we declare that Christ is Lord and that we are not. And then the Gospel of Matthew wants us to know that perseverance is never just for our own sake. That putting Christ on the throne of our lives is never just for our own sake. It's for the sake of others so that the world's might come to know that there is a God of hope that is still working in our midst, that there is still light in darkness, that life can still come from things that have died and passed. We're able to bring the reality that God is still working when we are experiencing our mountaintops, the best things in life, but that God is also still working when we're in our darkest and deepest valley. To revisit our story of the train of my nephew trying to figure out how these two train cards connected. The little engine that could demonstrates a beautiful story of hard work and perseverance and determination that got the little blue engine over the mountain with all the toys it was carrying to the little boys and girls on the other side. And maybe, just maybe, I wonder how many of us think we are the little engines that can that we can carry ourselves, that we can carry our past and our temptations and our desires on our own on this journey of life. And the truth is that we can't. We might just find ourselves frustrated like my nephew did when he couldn't connect those two trains. Because the reality is and the truth is that we cannot deal away with the things of death on our own. We are incapable of doing that. We cannot deal away with the things of death without the one who has already overcome death 
and a death on the cross through Jesus Christ, we receive, we receive strength to resist temptation and to fight against the things that bring about death. We receive strength to resist temptation in our lives. And sometimes that strength might look like looking for professional help or an accountability group. Do you find yourself wanting to be the Lord of your own life? Leading into your own desires without communicating them to God? Do you find yourself wanting to be the Lord of your own life, leaning into the desires of the world and not into the call of God in your life? To be transformed from the inside out for the sake of the world, for the sake of a world that yearns to be loved and to experience such transformative hope. I wanna invite you to take a posture of surrendering. And maybe that means that you, you're going to kneel if you're physically able to right at your seat. Or maybe it means you're, you're gonna stand if you're able to with arms stretched wide, or maybe it just means you're, you're gonna incline yourself in your seat with your head bowed. And I want to invite you to take just a few seconds to consider this question. Is your heart surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Take a few seconds to think about that. Is your heart surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? God, we are grateful. We are grateful that we are not expected to do this thing called life on our own. We are grateful that we are not expected to fight the things of death and resist temptations on our own because we know that we cannot. And so this morning, God, we want to come before your presence with surrendered hearts with hearts that acknowledge that you are Lord, with hearts that understand that you have called us to a higher standard, that you've called us to live lives that produce hope for the sake of others. So reveal to us our own temptations and our own inclination towards our evil desires. Reveal to us the things that bring about death in our relationship with you, with others, with ourselves and the rest of creation. Reveal those things to us, God. Give us discernment and wisdom. May we learn to faithfully surrender to you not just once, but every day, God. We're grateful. We're 
We're grateful that you dealed away with the things of death on the cross so that we wouldn't have to and that you provide an avenue for life to flourish so that all might experience life as you intended to. So God, today, this morning, we just find ourselves before you surrendering ourselves to you, maybe for the first time, or maybe once again. May our lives be dictated by who you are and by your word. We pray all of this in the name, in the name of the one who has overcome death and gives us the strength to resist, resist death. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.